Hello, and welcome to the Zircona Growth Insights Podcast, bringing clarity to the complexities of consumer behavior. Episodes feature industry experts, partners, and guests across the 26 industries we track, representing nearly $4 trillion in global consumer spending. Our goal is to give you transformative insights and the most complete view of consumer and market opportunities. And welcome to this episode of Fresh Pulse, part of the Circana Growth Insights podcast series. And today I'm joined again by our valued research partner, Anna Marie Rorink, um, president of 210 Analytics. Hi, Anna Marie. Hey, Joan. So fun to be back. Yeah, we missed you last month. Anna Marie, um, I want to get your um, your outlook on what's happening, but I have to say that at Circana, we've been really focused on trying to get an outlook for 2024. I'm sure everybody is. And there are so many headwinds. Um, We are right at the start of people paying back their tremendous student loan debt that had been paused. Credit card, consumer credit card debt has never been higher. I understand that people are even really digging into their home equity lines of credit. Um, I hadn't, I, I'll be honest, I didn't really see that coming. Um, so the ability for consumers to get their hands on cash is just really difficult. And things, you know, there's a, a rosy job market, but things look pretty bad, you know, with high interest still, even though it's softening. At the same time, I look at our CPG industry and, you know, we do a lot with food and beverage. And I think, wow, we're pretty fortunate because so many of that so many of those purchases are non-discretionary. And even when we are making discretionary purchases, it it's a more affordable indulgence. You know, it might be, um, you know, I often use like the a nice bottle of wine or a nice cut of meat, um, things that make small celebrations. So I'd like to get your take on kind of where we are and what you're seeing um, based on all the work that you do on the fresh departments. No, I agree with your assessment. And, you know, sometimes when I'm asked to speak, you are asked to speak, we're writing articles, you know, you you want to be optimistic, right? Because it's not fun to be talking about all these economic pressures that are out there. Uh, But at the same time, I think it's really important for all of us to be realistic. And whether I talk to uh, meat, the meat supply chain or candy or snacks or you name it, um, there are very few departments around the store as Circana um, documents so well that are bucking the trends. And it is just very difficult to see that we are on the second year, consecutive year of volume declines. I think many of us thought that once we were starting to lap the, the declining volumes, automatically things would jump back up because that's typically how it works. But there are definitely departments and categories and brands and items that have been in negative growth territory ever since the the first quarter of uh, 21. So that's very difficult to see. And I think we have to be realistic and realize that, yes, there is a lot of economic pressure, as you outlined very, uh, very well here. But at the same time, um, I, I think we have to understand what the trends are. And that's why I love to partner with Circana so much, because I believe when times are tough, routine tends to come back a little bit. Routine in the meals that we cook, because we know our family loves and we know how to cook them. 
Um, so we're a little less likely to have that buyer's remorse. We're also seeing that people um, are buying less, even though they might buy still what they would like to buy. So maybe instead of buying a, a pound and a half of something, it's just a pound. So that's what's causing a lot of the pressure. And I was just doing a press interview this morning. They asked me about shrinkflation. And, that, and I said, look, I just really detest that. Uh, that term. I understand where it comes from. I understand that it makes for a nice headline, but I also believe that a lot of times packages are shrunk in order to keep the price affordable. And that just means that the food supply chain is figuring out a way to help consumers continue to buy the items that they love, want, need for their families, but at a price point that they can afford. And that, if that means a slightly smaller package, then I don't think that is a negative thing. I think that is actually the food industry just simply managing this market. You know, at the same time, though, um, I had a, a really good conversation with Lance Goodrich um, on demand forecasting. He was talking about the pricing reference point. You know, we have a memory of what we were paying before. And even though that's getting a little wonky right now, because it's been three years since, you know, that that we were, are thinking back to, I still kind of grit my teeth a little bit when I'm buying certain products because I know, A, what I used to be paying and I know what the package looked like. So I get it. It isn't, I think it's more than just a headline. It is kind of painful for consumers. And I think that it's up to the manufacturers. I appreciate what you're saying about making it as affordable as possible. But at the same time, I think it's up to manufacturers to message a little bit more uh, promoting the value that consumers might be seeing, um, you know, with when they make those purchases. Yeah, I would agree. I think promotions is still an area to really work on as an industry and as individual products and brands. Um, we've talked about it before, Joan, uh, that we're certainly seeing promotions ramp up across categories. But if we look at the promoted level compared to 19, it's not there. Um, we're also not seeing the kind of promoted prices that uh, we know will move the needle with consumers. Um, but I think it also goes back to consumers buying what they need, which is something that the Circana survey identifies virtually every single month, where one of the main ways in which consumers look to save money is by buying just what they need. And so a promotion will have to be extremely favorable to the consumer for them to actually stock up the way they used to. And, uh, but at the same time, I will say, you know, a, a really interesting thing that the survey finds, and I find it in my consumer surveys as well, is that idea of what are opportunities when consumers do choose to splurge a little bit more and that list is often led by special occasions, holidays, those types of things, but also doing something nice for myself, my family. And I think the big difference there is kind of that everyday doing something nice versus the special occasion, a brand that I love, something that's healthier for me, something that's better for the environment. So there are still reasons where consumers um, take the decision to spend a little bit more. Likewise, there are opportunities where consumers say, you know what, I really want somebody else to do the cooking for me um, today. And uh, so restaurant visits, uh, as you see in your monthly survey, there are still 80% plus of people who go to restaurants at least once a month, uh, but it's a little bit more planned. 
And even when they're at restaurants, they make some of the changes there as well. So I would say this whole idea of the planned behavior and how as a brand or as a category, do you play into that? I think when times are tough, uh, it is easier to work with your high penetration households, work with the people who love you um, and get them to buy it one more time or, you know, really optimize that and that behavior that exists than trying to drive completely new behavior when people are worried about, am I spending my money wisely? Right. I do like how you um, have often talked about working with the consumer based on the consumer behavior rather than trying to force something that doesn't exist. So let's take a look, you know, if you could, and describe some more of those occasions um, where you see people um, making, I don't want to call it routine, but regular kind of little mini splurges. Um, And you mentioned, you know, the one-offs, you mentioned things like indulging a little bit, um, maybe having, taking some of the load off a meal um, by buying something prepared. But what are some of those other opportunities? Yeah, I always love looking at the bakery report where um, we continue to see great strength in donuts. And if you think about donuts, you can truly buy exactly what you need in that perimeter bakery. And I think that is one of the reasons why we're seeing it do so well, growing both in units and in dollars. Um, and then we look at, for instance, prepared meals where pizza is doing extremely well. Well, if you think about the programs that a lot of grocery stores have, you can buy it by the slice. You can buy an already ready to eat pizza. You can bring them home for movie night. I was talking to a friend the other day and she said, you know, she has two kids, young kids like myself. And she goes, I have gone completely routine where every Tuesday is Taco Tuesday. Every Friday is a movie night and we do a pizza. She used to order it in. Now, when she does her little fill-in trip on Wednesday, she picks up one of those deli pizzas, throws it in the oven. And so I think what we're seeing is the little indulgences might be a little treat, whether that is a piece of candy, bakery, a savory good, etc. But it might also be a, a little treat for the mind, that little bit of help in order to get that meal on the table, or um, maybe an online order where I pay a little bit more, maybe a delivery instead of going to the store. So I think value and uh, a treat comes in many, many different ways. My husband and I were at Costco last weekend. Um, and, you know, of course it's fall, so it's football season. And there was a gentleman in his Bears jersey walking out with a stack of pizzas. And I thought, okay, that to me was, you know, clearly he's going home and he's going to entertain and he's going to watch the football game. But maybe in years past, that was pizza that had been delivered. Um, I don't know. I don't know this yep. gentleman, but I thought that's pretty ingenious. He's ramping up. But to me, that's one of those. I think that's a good example of what you're talking about as ramping up little celebrations. It goes beyond the individual, of course. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And if you look at actually the latest Arcana survey, uh, NFL was actually one of the examples that you asked people about. And I believe it was more than 40 percent of people plan to watch at least one or more games from their couches at home. And the survey then followed up, well, what do you serve? And it was things like chips and chicken wings and pizza, 
Um, so those to me are not only great purchases to go after by celebrating the big teams in your region, but also think about, well, could it be chips and dip? Could it be chicken wings and celery sticks? Uh, could it be pizza and whatever comes with it? And think through what are some of the ways in which people truly celebrate? And then, of course, is where your Cohen cross-purchase data really comes in as well understanding what do people buy together, maybe putting it together into a cross-merge station. Um, but the other thing is really, you know, of course, being from the Netherlands, I have to speak up for soccer here. Uh, soccer is getting bigger and bigger. And of course, there's many other sports than just football. If we think about the popularity of soccer, of tennis, or, you know, what are the big sports in your area, in your region? Is it NASCAR? Is it F1 coming to Vegas and Austin? How can you celebrate that in the store? If I look, for instance, at World Cup and I go to Europe or I go to the areas where it's he uh, being had, you see just the World Cup coming alive anywhere in the store. I was in France one year and they had set up a whole fresh seafood display, believe it or not, where they had clams playing mussels in this little ice uh, set up um, and the little shrimp were the referees. It was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. I'll have to find that picture for you. Um, but you see a cheese being carved into a soccer ball. You see just all these different ways in which um, retailers are just bringing alive what is popular in their areas and their country. And I think uh, if you think about the, the college games, the regional games, international, national, the different sports. Um, even Taylor Swift has turned into a massive tailgating opportunity for all those people that are not able to get into the concert. Um, and, you know, if we get creative, I think there's still opportunity out there. So I'm in the Midwest, of course, which I think is, you know, pretty much um, the originators of the tailgate. You know, that's how it felt growing up. Um, and I had, I took a young man to a cross country meet. This is when my son ran cross country and he's like, Mrs. Driggs, where's the tailgate? Because all he, all this little kid knew was football and he showed up a cross country and I'm like, oh, we've got to turn this cross country crowd into a tailgate crowd. <laughs> yeah. Think about the opportunity there. Think about all the opportunity. Right, right, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I love that. I love those um, everyday celebrations. And I, I think that you're absolutely right. We need to look beyond, I'll call it American football, because I want to do a nod to, you know, European or global football as well. Um, that you're right. There are so many things that we celebrate, so many reasons that we turn to sports for entertainment. And of course, when we entertain, we want to, we want to eat well too. And that takes me to a bigger holiday, like my favorite holiday of Thanksgiving. And typically when we think of Thanksgiving, there's a lot of drama. You know, you mentioned talking to the media and they wanting grand headlines. Well, one of the things that people tend to look for every year is what's not available. Um, is it a turkey shortage? Is it cranberries? Is it pumpkin? Do you see any challenge at all in supply for Thanksgiving favorites? 
Yeah, I agree with you. I'll uh, I'll never forget the uh, the Turkish Turkey shortage of 2020. <laughs> Turkey Gate, we call it Turkey Gate. <laughs> yeah, Turkey Gate, indeed. Um, and there was just simply no talking to the media that turkeys were long in the freezer and those orders get put in more than a year out and all was dandy. But um, oftentimes, I think the headlines are the headlines and we as an industry have to do a good job in communicating and understanding yet again that marketplace. So let's stick with Turkey for a minute. Uh, what we are seeing is just like in your survey and my surveys, I'm seeing a normalization of travel, travel, of party sizes, of the ways in which people celebrate. But at the same time, um, there already pre-pandemic was a little bit of desire for some protein variety. Parties might not quite be the way they were um, before. So over the last couple of years, we've seen a solid interest in turkeys, but perhaps smaller turkeys or a turkey breast instead of that 20 pounder all the time. And that really takes me to portion variety. I think that is one of the biggest lessons coming out of this year going into next year. We have so many different household sizes. We have so many people that love turkey, but would love to serve turkey and maybe a roast or something different. So that is really what portion size does. It uh, also provides permissibility for those categories where we like to have a piece of cake, but perhaps not a massive piece of cake. And of course, portion size variety also provides those different price points that we're looking for. So in terms of uh, the big classics, I think we're still going to see some elevated prices for rolls and those kinds of things. Bakery is still one of the higher areas in terms of inflation. Uh, Turkey, there are renewed reports of some issues with uh, avian influenza. I don't think that's going to hurt the market this time around because most of the turkeys are sold frozen. Uh, but yeah, certainly uh, looking at all the inflation that is out there, I think we're going to continue to see that total Thanksgiving ring go up a little bit. Uh, but certainly there's also retailers that are having some fun with that and having big, big advertisements uh, saying that they're going to roll prices back to 2020 or 2019 or what have you. Um, certainly on key items. So there's a lot of competition in that marketplace. That's good to know um, because we, again, from that same survey, we know that consumers are anticipating paying more for Thanksgiving. They still want to do it. They still will are planning on hosting or, you know, attending or spending to the levels that they have in previous years, but they recognize it's going to cost more. Um, many of them are going to shop earlier you know, more than a third will start shop shopping earlier, being on on the lookout for some of those deals um, and snapping up deals where they where they see them. Um, but I love that you know it's a retail competition. You know, we know this is a tough. It's a tough thing for retailers because margins are so low. But we also know that Thanksgiving is probably the biggest sales lift for food um, of any of the holidays. I mean, it's it's dramatic. It so, is and. You know, that actually is a really, really good point. And, and I think every once in a while, depending on the category I'm working in, what I do is I look at the sales every single one of the 52 weeks and you get this little spiky graph, almost like a graph you would have looking at sound or something like that. And it's fascinating because I'll, I'll take candy because it's such an easy one. You see these massive spikes at Valentine's Day, Easter, Halloween and the winter holidays. 
But then if you look a little closer, you zoom in a little bit more, you see all these other little spikes that just are peeking out a little bit more than the average week. And when you start to overlay those with the calendar, you start to realize those secondary opportunities of Mother's Day, Father's Day, St. Patrick's Day, Labor Day, you name it. And all of a sudden you realize that what if I could blow that out a little bit more in the store? And I imagine if you were to do that for every individual product or even the brand level, what are some occasions that you just don't even realize that people all of a sudden start to buy a little bit more of you? Um, and those to me are, as I said earlier, moments to lean in and really follow that natural behavior and, and try to remind people like, hey, you you love putting um, mushrooms in your, you know, what in your stuffing for Thanksgiving. So put them front and center as you're putting those displays out, those kinds of things. I love that. I love that. It, it, again, it's exactly what you said about leaning into the consumer behavior and, and respecting it. And then almost like nurturing it a little bit saying, yeah, more permission to do that. And we're going to help you. That's yeah. fantastic. You know, I can't, I can't let you go, Anna Marie, bef before I find out because you're from the Netherlands. Um, and so Thanksgiving at one point had to be new to you. I know that you live in Texas with your family, but tell me about your first reaction to Thanksgiving and then maybe how your th Thanksgiving now incorporates maybe a little bit of your own heritage. Oh, absolutely. I love this question. So um, I'm a military spouse and we moved early November, um, the year that we came to the United States, because we met in Belgium, moved to the United States, and that was early November. And so I, right smack, came into that um, Thanksgiving holiday, and we had some friends in San Antonio where we were stationed at the time. And uh, you have to understand that turkey is not a thing in the Netherlands. Um, maybe a tiny little turkey burger or breast or something, but it is very hard to find. And never had I seen um, a giant turkey before. Um, and so I walk in and this particular lady always invites all the soldiers that don't have a home to go to are unable to fly home for the holiday. And so she has probably prepared what in my mind must have been a 30 pound turkey. I don't even know if that exists, but it was giant. And um, I just, you know, at the time we didn't have cell phones to take pictures, but I know I would have if I, I had at the time. And I was just absolutely marveling at this thing. And then they cut it open and this stuff rolls out. And I learned about stuffing, <laughs> <laughs> no idea about um, but then over the years, uh, what was so fun to me is being a military spouse, we have been stationed all over the United States and seeing some of those regional differences where um, being in Florida, for instance, now we see collard greens have to be part of that meal. Um, living up in Kentucky, there were just completely different traditions. So yes, mine um, I always joke with that data folks like you guys at Circana are able to see that I am from the Netherlands based on three things that I buy. And those are mushrooms, leeks, and potatoes. Um, they are in my basket, I would say, every single week. So every Thanksgiving meal, whether I cook it, somebody else cook it, I am in charge of those homemade mashed potatoes for sure. 
uh, mushrooms go in anything that I make. So whether that is the spaghetti meat sauce, the, the stuffing that I've come to love, um, mushrooms are part of it and certainly leeks as well. They, they find their way into anything I do as well. That's awesome. I love that. Um, what a great story. And it, I, when you described the turkey and then cutting it open and seeing the stuffing, the first thing that went to my head was turducken. Are you familiar with that? Where you've got the um, the chicken stuffed inside a duck stuffed inside a turkey. It's, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> it, it is. Yeah. I was introduced to that a few uh, years later. Uh, by now I was used to the massive um, center of plate meat, uh, but that still took me by surprise. But um, I actually love it. It's, it's very different. And uh you know, it's also, we talked about the different items to the meal, but certainly um, over the years, again, being in the military community, we all get together, different people make different things. So I've had anything from the deep fried turkey in peanut oil to the poor person who got up at three in the morning to start smoking the turkey. Oh and uh, yeah, it's, it's um, you know, coming from the Netherlands, the tradition, I think, is just absolutely wonderful, the togetherness and uh Certainly the football, we talked about football, uh, those rivalries and yeah, it's, uh, it's been it a lot of fun. Absolutely. One of my favorite holidays. And I think it's maybe a little less pressure because it's not the biggest gifting holiday, but it does, um, support having to your point, many people contributing to the meal. And of course, I just love having a lot of people at the table anyway, like that's my, that's my happy place. So um, it is absolutely one of my favorite holidays. So and a lot of people around the table. We love that in a grocery store. Yes, we do. And um, hey, we're looking at, you know, what is it? 7.6 is the average party this year. And it's way higher among younger consumers. And I think that that's part of the Friendsgiving, you know, the, again, the potluck dinners and stuff. So, all right. Well, I want to wrap up and just say, you know, it is, we're living in a tough time right now. Um, the outlook is not rosy, but we're realists, but that you see a lot of opportunity in those small celebrations that occur almost naturally based on consumer preferences, consumer choices, their love of sports, for example. Um, it's not just the big holidays and we should be leaning into that. I just, that to me is the biggest takeaway ever. And when we look at Thanksgiving, there's going to be a battle of the retailers. So consumers, you know, this this could be your year to be on the lookout for good deals. But that Thanksgiving is changing a little bit. Even though we have our traditions, um, you know, it might be different portions. It might be more variety of proteins or sides. Um, and consumers pretty much, they're along for the ride. They know that it's going to cost them a little bit more. But this is one holiday that um, they will not let go of. So with that, Anne-Marie, thank you so much. And I'll catch up with you next month. All right. Thanks so much, Jim. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the Sarcotic Growth Insights podcast so you don't miss an episode. And let us know what you'd like us to cover. We'll serve it up in a future episode. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to review Sarcotic Growth Insights. Want to learn more? Visit us at Zircona.com and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.